do you seem so scared? All I wanted to do was play with you. Welcome to Terror Tracks. We publish new episodes every Monday at 2 a.m. EST. Go to terrortracks.com slash shop if you would like to support the show. And follow us on social media at terrortracks.com slash follow. Enjoy the show. Chapter 2 Norcastle has changed. The train stopped. Attendants and staff walked around like nothing happened. The creature was gone, and the red LED sign said, Welcome to Norcastle. <laughs> and then he fell right on his ass. His wife called him a fat sack of shit and told him to get out of the floor before he put a hole in it. An attendant said, laughing. Were they there before? I snickered and shook my head. The rest of the staff laughed as he continued to tell another story. I stepped off the train into Norcastle Station. It was abandoned, and thick fog covered its corridors. I walked along looking at the map of the town and advertisements that had not been taken down. Ads for the old movie theater that had burned down, along with Charlie's Tavern, Valentine's Hardware, Hall's Drugstore, and Owen's Realty. Norcastle was a quiet town before the murders. The cops were fat from donuts and coffee up at Shoemaker's Diner and probably couldn't catch a perp on an electric wheelchair. Everything here was family-owned. The town's history stretched back over 100 years, and the businesses had existed for at least the last 70. I walked through the station feeling nostalgic for the days when me and Mikey used to play here. It was a different time then. The murder started when I was around 15. At that point, Mike was long gone, and I was on my way out. I walked to the front of the station and found an office where an attendant would usually hand out flyers for sites and activities here. Papers laid along the desks, old brochures and catalogs. I picked up one of the pamphlets for Owen's Realty. They owned most of the houses in town except for those owned by Mr. Valentine. Kendall Owen was a con man, to put it lightly. He would talk you up into buying a house that should have been condemned for an incredibly inflated price after a half-assed renovation. He bought a house for $20,000, threw some paint on the turd, fix a few things, and sell it for $175,000. The homes would look good for about six months. If you ever went back to him, he would say, all sales are final. It's not like people had much of a choice anyway. A newspaper laid under the brochures. It was dated August 12, 2040. Town hall meeting ends in bloodbath. A town council meeting ended in a firefight with police. James Remachek, 45 years old, opened fire on city council members last Friday. Remachek repeatedly screamed the name Ravel. Remachek was gunned down by local police after a rampage that took the lives of 15 council members. There will be a funeral for all who have been lost on the 16th. Family night will be held on August 15th at Lakefield Funeral Home on West Broad Street. Ravel? I didn't know all the details, but I knew the followers were nuts. It gave me pause that a man from my old town would kill for the Ravel cult. They were a nuisance back in Drova, but they were never seen as a considerable threat. Sure, they'd flood a part of town and the crime rate would shoot up, but ritualistic murder was rare. The last case I dealt with that was the Dr. Murphy case. 
He was a real nightmare. A nightmare I hoped I'd never have to revisit. I knew Mr. Remichek. He was always an oddball. Strange as could be, but I never saw him as a threat. Most of the locals referred to him as the town madman. He wandered around town a lot. Every time someone spoke to him, he would look down and throw his hands up, babbling to himself. From what I understood, he was schizophrenic. I never knew for sure, but he never had a history of violence. I hailed a taxi at the entrance of the train station and told the driver to take me to 1356 East 3rd Street, my childhood home. The driver was an older black man, his gray hair hid under an old brown beret. So, what are you doing here, sir? The driver asked. I work for the SBI. We're investigating the murders here, I said. That was a long time ago. Very few come here anymore. But those that do appreciate the lift. My name is Lawrence, by the way. I'm Detective Levin. You can call me Rick. It's been a while since any police came here. I was starting to wonder if this town would ever pick back up. Any plans to revive it? Not that I know of. Then again, the state wants that tourist money, so they might gentrify it. Probably put a shopping mall here and try to bring it all back, I guess. I don't think that's a good idea. Neither do I. But what has been going on here? Not much. Just a ghost town. Lots of strange occurrences. I give people rides in and out of town. The stories I hear keep me going. Once the day is over, I go back home and mind my own business. It's safer that way. Yeah. We drove downtown. Places I felt nostalgic for were boarded up. Some burned to the ground. Strangely, the rubble still simmered with red-hot coals. According to the papers back in Drova, this place had been a ghost town for quite some time. Drova Times-Dispatch was the main newspaper. It chronicled everything in the state, and Norcastle rarely came up. I studied the case files in my spare time and looked in the papers often for updates. Even though I grew to hate this place, I was always fascinated by its ghostly allure. Hey, by any chance, have you heard of something called the Red Reaper around here? I asked. Lawrence looked at me through the rearview mirror. Yeah, he's been here for years. Jumping across rooftops, appearing and disappearing like a ghost. First sightings of him, or it, depending on what you believe, was six or seven years ago. Have you ever talked to the guy? Oh, heavens no, and I don't wish to either. A passenger just the other day said they saw him, though. They said they heard the sound of crows squawking. Lawrence pulled up in front of my old house. It felt strange to be back. Its shimmer had left it long ago. It was a two-story house, painted white with a chain-link fence, and weeds had overgrown it. The shutters were trashed, and most of the windows were broken. It was sad to see it in such disrepair. Even as a child, I had some good memories here. My door was locked. Nobody had lived here since I left by the look of it. I heard the sound of laughing children next door. Mike and his brother Tommy were playing wiffle ball. They had not aged a day. They both looked like they were still ten years old. They were the only two kids I played with since Mom was a homebody. They laughed, joked, and played like most kids their age. Loud noises came from Mike's house. The sound of dishes breaking, something hitting the wall, and the sound of crying. The cry of a middle-aged woman. I walked up to Mike and asked, Hey, what's going on in there? Mom and Dad are fighting again, he said. The kids vanished with a quiet whisper. Where did they go? I never knew Mike's dad well. 
He died when I was around 15. His death was always suspicious to me. He seemed healthy, and I never saw him leave the house. I didn't know it as a child, but his dad was an alcoholic, and he beat his wife often. He was usually passed out drunk with a bottle of liquor on the floor next to his chair. Now that I reflected on it, it all seemed so clear. His mom was always quiet around us. She never seemed happy. She rarely said anything more than, run along and play. I imagined if she said anything more, it would have agitated him into another one of his beating sprees. In a morbid kind of way, I was glad he was dead. At least she had gotten some peace. I had dealt with many situations just like the one Linda dealt with. Domestic violence cases were the worst to deal with. A crying woman who had been beaten black and blue by her husband would call us, then beg us not to arrest their man. Even when we did arrest them, we would get called out the next day for the same thing. It was a never-ending cycle. A complete catch-22. On one hand, if we pressed charges on the husband, the wife would get mad. If we didn't, he would keep beating her. The worst was the one poor woman we had seen at least five times in a month. She was beaten to death by her man, and we never caught him. The things people will do for love. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow us, go to terrortracks.com follow. Also, please check out our Patreon where you can get cool merch, writing lessons, and other awesome rewards starting at $5 a month at patreon.com slash terrortracks. See you next week. Goodbye for now.